You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. We get closer and closer to the playoffs as we come down the stretch run. Welcome into Big Time Baseball. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside my partner John Heyman. Uh, we got a great show ahead for you. Dave Roberts of the Dodgers will join us to talk a little bit about what his team is going through. And as they get closer to the playoffs, he wants to get some guys going, I'm sure. Uh, but a lot of news in baseball. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. And he's at John Heyman. And now this show is on Twitter. Remember, you can also follow us on Twitter. Follow us at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. John, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Tony? I'm doing well. Doing well. A lot of, uh, seems like we've had a few milestones happen over the past week. One uh, took place yesterday uh, in Milwaukee. Alec Mills throws a no-hitter, uh, shutting down that Brewers offense. 12-0 Cubs win. They walk away with a, a no-hitter. Pretty pretty exciting for uh, this Cubs ball club. Absolutely. Alec Mills is kind of the unknown guy in a uh, in a rotation of big names. And uh, I think this was like his 16th start in the big leagues. He'd only thrown one complete game, and that was at Class A Wilmington years ago. Uh, he was kind of uh, DFA'd by uh, the Royals, and uh, so they ended up trading him to the Cubs. I think Theo Epstein does a good job with trades. I mean, I watched that game. He didn't throw more than 91 miles an hour at any point. He only got five swings and misses, which is a record low for a no-hitter. It's pretty incredible. But the Brewers are struggling offensively. You wouldn't think the Brewers would struggle offensively, but uh, Christian Yelich, below 200. I mean, his OPS plus is over 100. He's above, above league average as a hitter. But if you go by that batting average, that doesn't look so good to be below the Mendoza line, uh, talking about one of the best hitters in baseball. No, no, it doesn't. And I don't know if it was himself forecasting, but I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago before the season started. He mentioned that there were going to be guys who, you know, normally you would see at the top of the leaderboard, a lot of offensive uh, categories um, that were going to be there, that were going to have bad years in this shortened season. He certainly – I don't know if he meant to, but he has forecasted what he has gone through uh, (laughs) thus far in this season. Um, The other two milestones, I think, are are guys who – one guy who I I believe has already carved out a first ballot Hall of Fame career. Another guy who is well on his way. Let's start with Albert Pujols. He ties Willie Mays for fifth all-time, 660th homer uh, actually yesterday. And, you know, the machine just – 
just keeps working, man. He just doesn't disappoint. He's obviously not the player he used to be, but um, this milestone is nothing short of, of amazing. It is. 660 home runs, incredible, even in an era with lots of home runs. Uh, he's one of the greatest right-handed hitters of all time. Um, yeah. you know, if you want to compare him to Mays and Aaron, um, you know, May, uh, he did have three years with 90-plus extra base hits, which Mays and Aaron didn't quite get to that many, uh, that high a number of three. Um, you know, I, I mean, you can rank your all-time greats, I guess. I mean, I'd probably put him below Mays and Aaron, but uh, – you know, he's in the conversation, um, no question about it. 146 lifetime OPS plus, little below Mays and Aaron in the 150, mid-150s. Believe it or not, Mickey Mantle is 172 OPS plus. Uh, I mean, that's my favorite stat. The funny thing about Mantle, if you look at his career, he walked so much, even the last three, four years where he was barely able to walk. I mean, he couldn't run at all. Uh, the other teams were walking him, uh, you know, and he ended up with OPS pluses of like 140, 150 his last few years. He did finally retire because he was hobbled so badly. Uh, obviously, he lived in the fast lane off the field, too. But uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, he didn't have that decline at the end. You know, I'm old enough to have seen a maze at the end and there was a decline. Pujols, of course, has got that 10 year contract. So we're, we've seen kind of a four or five year decline. With Pujols, I mean, still a fantastic, unbelievable, all-time great career. But uh, I don't know where where would you rank Albert Pujols in that uh, in that group? I have him probably in the same area. He's below Mays. Um, I think defensively, uh, although he was adequate and good at times, I don't know if he was in the same category as the complete player as as some of those other guys we mentioned. I did see an interesting uh, statistic uh, number breakdown. I think it was nine or 10 years span and it was compared to Mike Trout. And uh, I, I believe we talk about Mike so much because he's, he's the younger player and he's the guy who is the face of major league baseball, but our pools 10 year run is still better than Mike Trout's at this point. And, <laughs> um, I, I, I just, I, I was playing, I was in the league when Albert was in the midst of, of his dominance and there just weren't very many guys like him. Um, he's one of the few guys that, I ever stood in the outfield and felt like I was too close. Like I needed to back up him and Barry, him and, yeah, him and Barry Bonds gave you that feeling. Like there wasn't enough space in the outfield to cover. Yeah. I mean, Bonds was inhuman. He was, he was so uh, superb. I mean, and we, yeah. we understand that he had a little extra help, but I mean, he was already a great player. And then, uh, I mean, he was like a Babe Ruth plus there at the end. So <laughs> right, I mean, it's hard to, right. hard to compare him with anybody. You're right. On Pujols, Trout, the first 10 years, I think they both have about a 73 war through the first 10 years. Uh, you know, I like the fact that Trout's a center fielder, got speed yeah. also, yeah. but that's all factored into war. So, you know, you can't take it away from Pujols. Uh, he's right in that conversation, as I said, and maybe it's my New York upbringing, but, you know, I think Mantle is – maybe even underrated just looking at that OPS plus that never, never went down, but uh, he's right in that conversation with Mays, Aaron Mantle. And we should mention Clemente in that conversation yeah, too. He yes. probably didn't have the power numbers, but uh, all around the arm, the range, everything since we did have that great uh, Roberto Clemente day, which was well-deserved. And uh, I, I know people were clamoring for his number 21 to be retired. doesn't seem like there's momentum from the MLB side on that, but I know a lot of people were interested in that. Yeah, it certainly should be looked at. I, I would agree with that. All right, the other milestone accomplished was Max Scherzer, 98th 
10 punch out game. He passes Sandy Koufax. Uh, Scherzer ranked fifth all time on the list of most career games with 10 plus strikeouts. He trails only Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, and Pedro Martinez. I would say that's probably as a elite company as you can possibly be in. Uh, and, and the, 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 the double color eyed bandit definitely <laughs> deserves it, man. He is, he's, he's truly fun to watch. He's one of the, one of the few like power pitchers that I enjoy watching because he actually knows how to pitch. Absolutely. He's so into it. Uh, there was questions in his earliest career, if he, if he was going to uh, remain injury free and uh, he was traded from the, the diamondbacks Um and then, of course, we know that Detroit tried to re-sign him. I think they offered him somewhere close to $150 million. He ended up getting $210 million. You know what? That's been one of the best free agent signings ever by the Nats. Ever. Mike Rizzo certainly knows his pitching. And, uh, you know, he had him uh, with Arizona. He was a scouting director in Arizona. He knew it. And uh, Scherzer, just fantastic competitor, fantastic pitcher. To me, he's one of the six Hall of Fame locks currently playing. I know there are. Others you could make a case for, like a, that are close or getting close, like a Joey Votto. I like John Lester, maybe on the path. We'll see. He's slowing down a little bit. But the six, to me, Hall of Fame locks, and I think I've mentioned this before, Scherzer, Verlander, Kershaw, Trout, Pujols, and Cabrera. So I think that those are the six. In my mind, if their careers ended today, they're in the Hall of Fame. Trout needed to play one game this year to get his 10th year. Uh, the others already had it. And, uh, you know, it's a matter for me of impact on the game. And those uh, six certainly have had a major impact. So true. I totally agree with those those six current are still active uh, Hall of Famers, soon to be Hall of Famers. I, I, I totally agree with that list. And, and Max Scherzer, what can I say? I think when I, I faced him a lot when he was with the Diamondbacks. And you could see then that it was only a matter of time. It, obviously, if he stayed healthy before he started to figure it out, he added that change up to the mix and really took off in Detroit, hasn't looked back. It's very rare that guys get the kind of money he gets and actually outdo what they're getting paid. <laughs> it, it, it just yep. is rare because as you get older, your skills tend to diminish. But Max Scherzer's taken very good care of himself and uh, has put himself in a position – to really go down as, as one of the greats uh, playing this game of baseball. Yeah, you know, I'd say that uh, you're right about that. A lot of those big deals may not work out, but among the elite pitchers, uh, the records have been pretty good, I think. You know, obviously, uh, Mike Mussina now in the Hall of Fame signed for something around yeah. $88 million. Yeah. That was a good one. I mean, Greg Maddox, $28 million, the first one. That was, that was a very good one. Randy Johnson, when he signed with the D-backs, uh, won four straight Cy Youngs. Um, seems like he was signing an elite pitcher, and as long as he's not over over 33 or something like that, um, you know, you got a pretty good shot. Now, Mike Hampton going to Colorado, that was a great mix. Uh, that didn't quite work, but uh, I think with the pitchers, the record has been better than the, than the older hitters. I think all of the pitchers you named are in the Hall of Fame or will be in the Hall of Fame. So uh, I guess it was a matter of, uh, kind of seeing the type of talent you had. Obviously, age plays in, but I think that last point you just hit on, John, is correct. Pitchers have a much better chance, should they stay healthy, of living up to to the to the contract than I think position players. Just by the way the game is played, the offensive side is is just a much more difficult thing to 
to keep up over time. All right, let's get into some of these uh, standings as we get closer and closer uh, to some playoff baseballs. We'll start in the American League. You got the White Sox uh, in the number one spot. They're At this point, they're scheduled to face the Indians, who have the AFC. You have uh, the Twins in the fourth spot. They're, they're on at this point. If the playoffs ended today, they'd face the Blue Jays, who have the five seed. The Rays and the Yankees would face off in a first-round matchup. That'd be two and seven. And the Oakland A's uh, would take on the Astros. Not usual. It's not usual that you get a inner division playoff mm-hmm. matchup in the first round, but this is 2020. All things are out the window. <laughs> uh, on the National League side, Dodgers, Giants, Padres, Marlins, Braves, Phillies, and Cubs, Cardinals. Um, obviously, the playoffs don't end today, John, but uh, some of these matchups are intriguing, I, 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 especially, obviously, the Rays, Yankees. Uh, there's some, some bitterness between the two teams. Uh, but nevertheless, if the, if Yankees can get healthy, this should be a fun matchup to watch. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've got Stanton and the judge now at the alternate side working out. Um, they've been rather slow healers. It's taken a quite a while. They stick them both back sometime this week. That's what they hope for. But, uh, you know, these big guys, sometimes they take a while. They got a lot of muscles. Uh, those matchups are interesting. It's a fluid situation, as you mentioned, right? Uh, could could go any way. But right now, out of the eight matchups, six are um, intra-division, right? I mean, your White Sox, Cleveland, Tampa versus Yankees, Oakland versus Houston, L.A. versus San Francisco, Atlanta versus Philly, Cubs versus St. Louis. So you got you got some big rivalries there. Right now, the Yankees and uh, Rays are getting some bitterness going, so they're kind of a rivalry at the moment. But obviously, L.A., San Francisco, and uh, Cubs, St. Louis are uh, historic rivalries. So if it stays that way, it would be fantastic. I'm not counting on it. Uh, it does seem like a 2020 banquet. Yeah, right. uh, on the other hand, on the other hand, it's night. It would be those would be great matchups. We, I'd be happy to see L.A. play San Francisco. That would be. Uh, Quite tense and intense. Uh, obviously, the Dodgers would be big favorites, um, but uh, you never know in a three-game series, anything can happen. No, you're right. Anything can happen. I find it funny, having been involved in a few of these rivalries, Dodgers, Giants in particular, it's funny how, or, or in some cases out here in San Diego, Padres, Dodgers, it's funny how the team, It can only first of all, it can only be a rivalry when, that there's equal amount of wins between the two or close to equal. Uh, it's funny how when you're on the, the bottom side of those rivalries, how it's viewed from your lens versus this team that has the upper hand, how it's viewed. Like the Dodgers don't view the Padres as a rival, but the Padres view the Dodgers <laughs> as a rival. Obviously, Dodgers, Dodgers uh, Giants are the true rival in the West, but I always find that funny. We got a game called Contender or Pretender. We're not going to get into the actual matchups because – we don't know what those are yet. As John mentioned, they are quite fluid. But we do have this contender pretenders. We'll both uh, take turns uh, saying whether we feel this team is a contender or a pretender. And I think it's only fair that we start with the New York Yankees. John, I'll let you go first. Yeah, it's a tough one for me. I mean, obviously, we're talking, in my mind, contender for the World Series. Obviously, all these teams we're going to talk about are contenders for the playoffs. Um you know, I'm almost on the fence on this one. I'm I'm going to say yes because if you get Stanton and Judge back, that lineup is outstanding. Uh, obviously, Cole's uh, one of the best two or three pitchers in baseball, and that bullpen 
when going well should be good. So, you know, I'm barely going to say yes to World Series contender on that one. I don't know. Where do you stand on that? I'm going to say pretenders. Um, you don't have missed the kind of time Stanton and Judge has, have missed and just come back hit, and hitting the ground running, especially if they're not going to get any games in prior to uh, the season ending. I, I just think they have so much going on with injuries, bullpen not quite up to where they want it to be, um, that it's going to make it hard for them to get to a World Series. So I'll say pretender for the New York Yankees. Yeah, I was going to say, for me, you. that's 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 tough because I, I had picked them to be a World Series team, but um, I, I just don't see it right now. Maybe me too. Maybe that's why I'm hanging on. Uh, it's it's a tough one. I, I, I don't like their chances, but, uh, you know, get pick one or the other, I'm going to say contender. All right, let's go to the White Sox. Where where you come down on the White Sox, pretender or contender? Yeah, I'm going to say contender. Uh, people are wowed by their uh, lineup. Uh, to have a double play combination, both hitting 350 plus now that Madrigal is getting two hits a game. You got Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, MVP candidate. Uh, you need Keiko to be healthy. He's got a little bit of a back situation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure their pitching stacks up with some of the other teams. Uh but uh, the way they're playing, uh, they have the best record as we do this. So it's, you, you know, if you have the best record, it's hard to say they're a pretender probably. But, I, you know, I don't think they're the favorite, but I, I got to go contender on them. Yeah, I, I have to go contender as well. They are a mirror image to me, uh, to the San Diego Padres, only in the American League. Um, both really young, offensive side of the ball, uh, good starting pitching. Uh not sure where the White Sox bullpen is. I haven't seen enough of that their bullpen, but I know their starting pitching is legit enough to carry them in a uh, playoff setting. And listen, when you're when you're young, um, you you're oblivious to the fact that you're supposed to be nervous. You're supposed to have all of this pressure on you, and I think that could bode well. I think they have a terrific skipper and Rick, Ricky Renneria uh, at the helm, and uh, a lot of times, most of the times teams take on the personality of their manager. And from what I've seen of the White Sox, they do just that. Uh, so I got them as a, as a contender as well. How about Minnesota Twins? This is a team at the beginning of the year that a lot of people favored, uh, mainly because of their offense, but their pitching has stepped up in a big way this year, John. It, it really has. Uh, Maeda has been uh, fantastic. A discard from the Dodgers. Well, the Dodgers had so many great pitchers, they could just give away some of their pitchers. Obviously, they got Mookie Betts in that deal, so that's not really a giveaway. Uh, but, you know, Minnesota, I thought their strategy was very good to get solid starters to go along with that great lineup. Uh, if that li lineup starts clicking like it did last year, to me, they are contenders. So I, I got to go contender on that team. Uh, just with that lineup and solid pitching, I think it's a good mix. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, Kenta Maeda has been such a standout. And and listen, I think having watched the Dodgers so much, you did feel like it was just kind of a, a throwaway for the Dodgers. But when you look back at some of the Dodgers' runs, he was probably one of the more valuable pieces because he could start during the regular season to get them through it. And then he had the ability to be versatile and go to the bullpen and give them strong innings there. He's been a perfect match for the Minnesota Twins. We know all about their offense that, by the way, hasn't even been at their best this season. And I think, as you said, John, should they get going right at this time, right at the playoff, right as the playoffs get started, uh, they're 
probably the most dangerous team in in the American League. So I, I have them as contenders. All right. It's not very often um, we get to have this conversation about this next team, but uh, <laughs> it's my it's my hometown squad, the San Diego Padres. Uh, contender or pretender, John? I got to say contender. I, Tatis is one of the best, uh, in my mind, one of the best two players in the game. So you know where I, I think he stands. Um, you know, they, they've got a, quite a lineup. They've gotten contributions from all sorts of people that we weren't counting on. They've done a great job. Cronenworth, Grisham, up and down that lineup. They made the trades and adding Clevenger uh, gives them a, a new ace. That's huge. They needed that. They absolutely got what they needed to get at the deadline. So, I mean, I, to me, this is a slam dunk. Uh, you know, they've been – they haven't lost in a week, so they're, they're really a contender. <laughs> no. they're, they're, this is an easy, that's an easy one. Yeah, they're a contender. I, I, I did the doubleheader yesterday on radio, and, I mean, they at no point ever seemed like they were going to lose in any of those games. And you mentioned Tatis Jr. Padres could walk away with four uh, season awards when it's all said and done. Tatis Jr. could win an MVP. Jake Cronenworth probably is going to win the Rookie of the Year. You have uh, Jace Tingler is in the running for for manager of the year. And Will Myers, the guy who has probably been beat up here in San Diego the most, um, could be on track for a comeback player of the year. The year he's put together uh, has really solidified the the Padres lineup. I know we talk about Tatis Jr. We talk about Machado. Hosmer's been banged up. Uh, He got the broken finger now. But when he's in, he's been good. But having Will Myers as that fourth bat, in the lineup to kind of give uh, the, some length to it has really made a huge difference. We mentioned Jake Cronenworth uh, offensively. And deep. by the way, those two up the middle are among the top five, I believe, in, in some of the defensive metrics that uh, we, we, we look at in baseball. Yes, Jake Cronenworth, Fernando Tatis Jr. among some of the best up the middle. So uh, this team, and I didn't even get into their pitching. I mean, their pitching has Clevenger went out through a Complete game, albeit seven innings yesterday, uh, but they have a a, a, seri- a real number one starter. They're still Chris Paddock, still trying to figure some things out. He hasn't gotten going yet, but this team is certainly a contender and, and really a lot of fun to watch. All right, enough about my team. Let's move to the Atlanta Braves because uh, I think every time I turn on the TV, it's like nine or ten balls are going over the wall via the Atlanta Braves. This team's offense has been amazing. It's your contender or pretender. Well, I'm going to seem like a soft grader because this will be the fifth contender in a row for me. Um, you know, <laughs> coming back. I mean, am I easy? I don't know. I think I'm, we're going to have some pretenders coming up pretty soon. I love your enthusiasm for the Padres, by the way. But I mean, Adam Duvall, uh, two, three home run games. I think. I mean, you know, you don't expect that. Acuna is obviously one of the best in the game. Uh, they've scored more than 100 runs already in September. Uh, it's crazy how how they can hit. Uh, you know, you've got Freed's going to come back. Hamels is going to come back. Ian Anderson looked really good. So, you know, there's some ifs there because, you know, they need the pitchers to come back and you need this rookie pitcher to do well uh, because it's a little thin in that rotation. Uh, a little concerning, some definite yeah. ifs, but I got to go contender because they got a shot. I don't want to eliminate anyone and then have people listen to this and come back and tell me, oh, they won the World Series. You said they weren't even a contender. So, Maybe that's why I'm a soft grader, but I, I could see Atlanta potentially winning the World Series. By the way, those pundits are inevitable. They're gonna even if a team gets out of the first round, they're gonna be letting us know about about I this know, statement. I um, I'm with you on on the Braves. Um, I think they 
and there's a lot of ifs there, but I just feel like in 2020, ifs uh, aren't as big of a deal as they usually would be in a 162-game season. Um, if they get some of those starting pitchers back, um, they're definitely a contender. I, I, I think they're a contender without those pitchers, but uh, we'll see what happens on that. How, how about Duvall? I mean, nine homers and 50 at-bats in September. Uh, I, 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 was, I think it's safe to say after watching most of the baseball this year, those Super Bowls have found their way back into the, into the game where the ball is absolutely flying out of the ballpark. So uh, I, I, do, I do agree the Braves are a contender. Um, so we'll move to our next team, which I think might be a, our first uh, – we'll break from the contenders and start moving into maybe some of the pretenders. We'll go with the Oakland A's. Contender or pretender? Yeah, I feel bad about this one. A week ago, I, I would have said they're their favorite in the American League, but that injury to Chapman, I mean, I, I love their manager, Melvin. Uh, they do a fantastic job on a limited payroll, but you got a limited payroll team losing their best player. You know, I'm going to say pretender, and uh, I, I think I'm taking a little chance there because I, I, they got more talent than we realize. Yeah, no, I, I don't think you're taking a chance. I, I watched those guys in, in a three-game series, and it was supposed to be the marquee matchup of the weekend. Padres, Oakland, one, I think one of the games was on Fox, which Oakland won, but that team did not look good. Offensively, uh, they seemed to really lack the, the, the punch that you would expect from a team that's going to be contenders. Now, their pitching was pretty solid all weekend, but – I came away and, and I would later we would later find out Matt Chapman was hurt. He struck out, I think, nine of his ten at bats in that series. And, and it was clear something wasn't right with him. Um, hopefully he can have the surgery heal up and get back to doing what he's doing. But as you mentioned, that's their best player. Uh Simeon was still out at that point, too. I'm not sure if he's made his return yet, but um without that punch on the left side of, of the infield. Uh, I don't know that they have enough to to be true contenders, so I'll put them in the pretender spot. Uh, let's move to this is probably the biggest surprise on this 10-team list we have, and uh, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise. Don Manley was on the show, and he pretty much raved that this team was pretty good, and he's, he's backed up the talk. We're talking to Miami Marlins. What you got, contender or pretender? <laughs> Yeah, he was on here telling us they are a contender, and he was right. They are a contender to be a playoff team. I, there's no question right. about it. Right now, 69% chance. Uh, so they are a contender in that sense. In terms of World Series contender, it's going to be tough. I wouldn't want to play them. I mean, Sixto Sanchez is unbelievable. I mean, you got him in one of the games. Uh, they have really good pitching. You mentioned Cronenworth as Rookie of the Year. I wouldn't rule out Sanchez. We'll see. I think Cronenworth is ahead of him at this point, but uh, – uh, Miami's doing some great things, especially on the pitching standpoint. I think they, they do miss Cervelli's uh, defense. And uh, just a note here that uh, he's out for the year, and uh, we give him our best wishes. But this is his seventh concussion, and my understanding he's still experiencing headaches uh, now more than a month later. So best wishes to Francisco Cervelli. But, uh, uh, you know, I just think that positionally uh, they, got, they still got work to do. So I, I don't see them as a World Series contender. Yeah, I, I don't either, John. I think this team is is a few pieces away offensively before you can start considering them, or maybe not even a few pieces. Some developmental years uh, on the players that they have before you could say that this team is actually a contender for a World Series. The pitching is starting to line up for them, though, and I think that's the mark of that's how you start 
making your run is, is by having the right type of pitchers in the rotation. It certainly seems like uh, the Miami Marlins are, are well on their way. But for the 2020 playoff run, I think they're contenders in terms of getting to a World Series. All right, uh, let's go to the Philadelphia Phillies. They're, they're a team that I, I just – it's confusing to me. I feel like they should be in a lot better spot than they are for whatever reason they're not. Not for whatever reason. It's pretty much the bullpen that has put them in this position. Uh, but do you have pretender or contender here? You know, I, I'm going to go pretender. I think that bullpen, they fixed it a little bit. I, I certainly think that uh, Embry and Phelps and Workman help. Um, you know, they now have a question of Real Mudo, who's one of their two best players, along with Harper, uh, going for an MRI for the hip. Um, you know, I think they're a little too dependent on a few guys offensively, or their offense overall is good. Um, certainly they need Wheeler back and he's supposed to come back soon. Had that weird injury where he uh, ripped up his nail while putting on his pants. Um, so that wasn't good, but, uh, you know, they have a nice team. Uh, I do not see them as a world series contender though. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, John, I I have to agree with you, man. I I think this Phillies team is a pretender. Um, their bullpen at, at, and they've done, as you mentioned, they, they made some upgrades, but it's still thin. There's not enough arms, I think, to to get through uh, a, a long run in the playoffs. And uh, as good as their offense has been at times, that has been inconsistent as well. So uh, I see this team as contenders, or excuse me, pretenders, and um, I don't expect them to to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. Um, two more teams left on this list of contenders or pretenders. Let's start. Let's go with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, who all of a sudden have started to play some pretty good baseball. These young bats uh, have started to wake up. They've, they've gotten healthy. Where do you see this team, contender or pretender? I mean, it's a great story. you got to give them credit. They lost 95 games last year. They they don't have a home this year. They're, they're playing in Buffalo, uh, minor league park. Uh, you know, they've had as many injuries as just about anybody uh, to this point. Uh, they've had Bo Bichette come back, but they still have several others that they'd like to see come back. I mean, I give them credit. They have an ace now with Ryu. That's fantastic. Their bullpen has been uh, pretty good. Uh, They certainly can't hit, but, I mean, to win the World Series after losing 95 last year, uh, that'd be quite a trick. Uh, So I'm going to go with Pretender. Yeah, I'm with you, John. Pretender. I mean, it is 2020, so so tricks could work uh, in this this crazy season. But I just see the, the Blue Jays as a long shot. Um, they do have that young factor where you walk into a playoffs, you're not really aware of the magnitude that uh, surrounds you. But I just don't think they have enough. I don't think they have enough bullpen. I, I don't think they have enough quality starters. I know they pitched better as of late and, and Ryu has been their ace. But I, I just don't see that uh, manifesting itself into a long run into the playoffs. So. Uh, the, I'll also go with Pretender. And our last team, uh, I can say this team's probably been one of the more surprising teams based on the, uh, a lot of the things that they've lost over the offseason, and that's uh, a lot of the players they've lost, and that's the Cleveland Indians. Um, where do you see this team, Pretenders or Contenders? Well, they certainly have great pitching, but, I, I mean, they just don't have the hitting. Lindor's not having his typical season, and, uh, you know, they've tried to pick up some stuff. They've traded Clevenger and got Naylor. Uh, it's hard to see them really uh, hitting with the Twins and the White Sox, the Yankees, some of the other teams in the American League. So um, as much as I like their pitching, and I saw them as a playoff team, 
uh, in terms of World Series, I think they're a pretender. Yeah, I got pretenders on this one as well. Um, We haven't really talked a lot about offense in terms of uh, not having enough. It's usually been not having enough pitching, whether it's pitching or or, or bullpen. In the Indians' case, they have the pitching locked down, one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball from a statistical standpoint. But offensively, this team can be very anemic at times. Uh, you mentioned Lindor not having his typical year. Ramirez is in that same boat. They're getting a, some terrific production from Matt Fran Mil Reyes. But after that, that's about it. And I, I just think in this particular season with the type of offenses that are going to be there, you might be able to neutralize it with the pitching. But at the, some point, you're going to have to put up some runs. I don't know that the Indians have enough to be able to do it. Uh, that's going to do it for contenders. Pretenders, we're going to slide into the inside corner. John Hamer, one of the best in the business, keeps his ear to the ground. And, John, why don't you tell us what you're hearing? Let's start with the Red Sox because uh, the deadline went by. There was no movement. Now it sounds as though they're going to try to make some moves coming up this winter. <laughs> yeah, no movement among the big guys. They did trade five guys, Moreland and Pilar, some relievers. They did do stuff, Osich, but the big guys, you're right, no movement there. Bradley, Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Allstate. J.D. Martinez obviously not having a good year. Uh, has a big contract with another opt-out next year. Uh, he was just untradeable. Bogarts um, now has a full no trade. Might be difficult, uh, but I do think uh, they will consider everything. They are a rebuilding team, although someone could look at that team and say, look, if they get Sale back uh, and he's doing well, he's healthy, Evaldi, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's missed the year with the COVID situation. That's uh, really worrisome, but uh, hopefully he'll be okay. Uh, someone could make a case that the Red Sox could bounce back quickly, but I, I think they're open to anything, and that would include trading Bogertz, who's got an opt-out, too, after two years. So that uh, complicates uh, the situation a bit, but might be a good time to trade him. The big free agent shortstops are all available the following winter, you know, the Seegers and the uh, Lindor and uh, Story and Baez. I mean, it's quite quite a group. So uh, this might be the time to trade Bogarts. Uh, Bradley's situation is interesting. They got offers on him. Uh, they just didn't want – they liked him on the team as part of the team for this year. They're, uh, he is going to be a free agent. Uh, they can offer the qualifying offer. It hasn't come out yet, but we expect it to be $18 million or thereabouts, maybe even a little higher. So – he, from what I understand, uh, they will not, even though he's a really good defender and uh, a solid hitter who walks a decent amount, which we like nowadays, um, they're not going to give him that qualifying offer. So someone's going to criticize him for not trading him for something, but, uh, you know, they like having him on the team. They like his leadership and uh, they weren't offered a lot, apparently. So, uh uh, uh, Bradley will go. Uh, will be a free agent. Yeah, I think Jackie's due for a change of scenery. I think that could go a long way in helping him get back on track, at least offensively. Defensively, he's he in my mind best center fielder in the game. So uh, I, I look forward to seeing what happens with Jackie Bradley. Let's talk. Go to move. Let's talk about Pittsburgh. We very rarely have talked about the Pirates on this show, but uh, <laughs> they made everyone available besides Frazier and didn't get a lot of takes. So what are you hearing in in, in Pirate Land? Well, it is big-time baseball, so maybe that's why we avoid the Pirates. I'm sorry. That was, that was a cheap shot. It was low-hanging low low fruit right there for you. That was rude. I mean, they're in the major leagues. Uh, it's still big-time baseball. 
you know, J- J- Josh Bell just does not have a market. Uh, he's just struggling this year. Um, Colin Moran, even though he got off to a decent start with some home runs, uh, also not a big market. Uh, you know, they have a lot of players not having good years. You know, uh, Derek Holland, uh, a veteran pitcher. Some people thought he could be on the move. Um, Musgrove had a little bit of an injury situation at that time. So uh, he didn't have a great market. Um, the only guy who had a market was Adam Frazier, even though he's not having a good year either, but very versatile player. And uh, people believe in him, but uh, they didn't obviously get the offers that they wanted. But uh, Pittsburgh is in a tough spot. Uh, ben Sherrington, the new GM there, was left with a, uh, a tough a tough lot. It's uh, not going to be easy. Uh, I did see the uh, new third baseman, Cabrian Hayes, play. Uh, he looks fantastic, at least defensively. Son of Charlie Hayes, who I covered with the Yankees. So they got a couple pieces, but uh, they got a long way to go, and it was a, a rough trade season for them. Let's talk managers because it, one of the things that I felt like going into this season, um, because the games weren't – we weren't playing that many games, tough to kind of evaluate managers. What, what are you hearing in terms of managerial turnover after the season is done? Yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be big turnover. The speculation is, of course, we had a lot of turnover uh, last year. Um, uh, I don't see that uh, happening this time. Uh, I think it's only 60 games, and uh, you know it's going to be tough to judge, and I think that the front offices will be fair about that. And um, so I, I, I think we're going to have a very limited uh, amount of turnover. Uh, there will always be one or two or three. Uh, you know, we talked about Aaron Boone last week. Um, Turns out he does have an. There's a team option, and uh, you know if the Yankees don't make it, it appears they're going to make it. Now uh, they rallied and uh, beat up on the Orioles as they always do. Uh, so it looks like they're going to make it. But if they don't make it, you know they could have a conversation. But my understanding is Aaron Boone has the full support of Brian Cashman, the general manager, and they do have that team option. So at the very least, they'll pick up uh, that team option if they go a long way in the playoffs and. Do really well. I uh, could get an extension as well, but I, I'm not seeing a lot of a lot of firings. I mean, you could guess at one or two or three of them, but uh, it's going to be not going to be the eight or nine or ten that we've seen in recent years on occasion. What are you hearing on, on Skipper Dave Martinez of the Nationals? Well, they're talking. Uh, no question about that. A GM Mike Rizzo got his three-year extension, uh, and uh, Rizzo is trying to uh, lock up. Uh, Davey Martinez. They have a team option at 1.2 million. Uh, they'd like to rip that up, as Rizzo has said out loud. Um, I think Martinez would like that three-year deal that uh, Rizzo got to even it out. And uh, you know, Washington is a team, not Rizzo, but ownership has been difficult with managers. We've talked about this. Bud Black, one of our favorites, was once offered a one-year uh, a contract with him, one-year guaranteed, uh, after an interview process in which he beat out Dusty Baker, and then. They ended up hiring Baker when Bud Black didn't like the offer. And then Baker had two fantastic years, winning uh, well over 90 games both years, and they got rid of him after two years. So, uh, And we saw Jim Riggleman walk away in the middle of the season uh, there. So it's it's a tough spot for managers. Uh, Davey Martinez obviously has not been a good year for Washington, but uh, they had opt-outs, they had injuries, um, they've lost Rendon, they lost Strasburg, as it turned out, and uh, – uh, he, he he will be rewarded, uh, and I do think they should give him that three-year deal that he, he would like, uh, and he should be rewarded for winning the World Series. That's quite a, quite a big moment in Washington baseball history. 
Yeah, I don't think there's any question. This to me, this is it's it's really a shame that it's taken this long uh, for Dave Martinez to get that extension because he's more than deserving of it. Even this, even with this year in the helm, he still is deserving of that extension. Hopefully, uh, the Nationals do right by him and get that done. All right. Lastly, before we get out of here, gotta talk playoffs. We're getting closer and closer. Still no uh actual plan as of yet in terms of how the playoffs will play will they be in stadiums will they move to a bubble what are you hearing on that well that first round that every nobody likes that three games which it doesn't bother me we had one game previously so uh, three games it, it, it doesn't bother me uh, i understand that some great teams are going to have to get through it like the dodgers and Dave Roberts uh, told us he, he doesn't love it. So uh, I, I, I do think that uh, first the, the three games will be in the home parks, but uh, then they go to the bubble. So the final four in each league will go to bubble. Uh, the American League teams will go to the L.A. San Diego bubble. National League will go to the Texas and Houston bubble. And uh, they will play in that bubble. And uh, they're working out the details right now of uh, what, which, whether family, how much family will be allowed. My, my, I will add my personal uh, interjection here, and that is that uh, we've gotten this far. You can't have any uh, outbreaks in the playoffs. Uh, you know, it, it, for health reasons, uh, I think uh, MLB should be careful about this. I understand the player concerns, uh, and maybe something will be worked out uh, with some quarantining and some other uh, measures that are taken, but, uh, uh, you know, I think we got to be careful. Uh, you can't have, if a team has an outbreak in the, in the playoffs, that, that'd be a disaster. So, uh, they've done a good job to get to this point and, uh, let's hope that uh, we can get through it and, uh, hand out that world series trophy to, to a deserving team at the very end. Yeah. I fully expect that the owners will make sure that this is right. Remember all of that, negotiating and stuff that we had to deal with through the summer. This is where the owners get some of this money back is during the playoffs. So I would expect that they are very careful about how they approach it. I wouldn't, I would expect that they, they, they execute this properly. Okay. So before we get out of here, we got a few things to, to, to clean up. We got some news and notes that John's going to give us here in a second, but we also opened it up to our listeners. Uh, we, we offered a mailbag and, we had a whole bunch, and since we're running short on time, we had to pick our favorite one. Um, and it comes from uh, a gentleman in the minor leagues. He says, um, just wondering if you guys have any insight to what minor league baseball might look like next year and in the future. Sincerely concerned minor leaguer. His name is Alex Strong. Uh, John, I'll let you go first. What, what are you hearing on the minor league front, what it might look like? Unfortunately, it appears they're going to eliminate, uh, was it 42 teams? It was the plan. I, I don't know if that's set in stone to this point, but, um, you know, they're going to take out the guys that aren't prospects and uh, not have them. And they're going to uh, eliminate some cities. Uh, there'll be some movement. And, uh, you know, I, I personally love minor league baseball. My first job was in Moline, Illinois, where they had the Quad City Cubs and the Quad City Angels. And, I loved it, and the, I thought it helped bring more Cubs fans to bear. You know, you had three hours from Chicago in Moline, Illinois, and, uh, you know, uh, they got to follow some minor leaguers, and I, I think it was a, a nice thing. Uh, so I, I'm not sure what the impetus was for this, other than 
uh, it's not a big money maker. Um, and uh, to me, I'm, I'm a little disappointed about the decision uh, to eliminate what seems to be uh, 42 teams. Um, so that's unfortunate. But uh, the vast majority of minor leaguers will be back on the field and in action uh, next year. But certainly some will uh, lose their jobs. Yeah, that's so unfortunate, too. Uh, minor league baseball has been uh, a staple that in, in in baseball in general for such a long time, and it'll still exist, but to see some of these young men lose their job and lose their dream perhaps uh, is, is truly, truly sad. All right, uh, let's clean up these last items. John, uh, what do you have in news and notes for uh, Major League Baseball? Yeah, first on JT Realmuto, um, he's the top free agent. Uh, he's getting an MRI the next day or two, and uh, hopefully he's okay. That hip's all right, but uh, – uh, People were talking about whether he's going to get a five-year deal or what. I, I think the comp that they're going to use is Joe Maurer. And I realized Maurer was even younger. Real Muto still in his 20s, but uh, Maurer was a, a year or so younger than that. Got $184 million for eight years. Was not a free agent at that point. Real Muto is going to be a free agent. Obviously, middle of the dime guy. And, uh, you know, he, he's got it set on what he wants. And, you know, he's a unique player. Uh, probably the best all-around catcher in baseball. Um and uh, it's understandable that he has a, a high value on his on his uh, on him, which I, I get it 100 percent. And uh, he's going to be the top free agent out there, assuming that uh, this MRI doesn't show anything too bad uh, with the hip. Uh, George Springer, one of the better uh, free agents out there, he is 31 years old. So that's an issue. But terrific all around player who's been very clutch. Uh, I, I think he's fantastic Can still play center, although he played right the other day. Uh, my understanding, he, like Real Muto, will be a free agent 100%. The likelihood of him going back to Houston, probably not great. Uh, he'll be out there uh, on the market. So uh, whenever that happens, that's usually the likelihood. I do think Real Muto's got a decent chance to be back in Philly, though, with John Middleton, the owner there, uh, having traded Sixto Sanchez uh, to get him. And we've seen what Sixto has done. But even beyond that, they understood when they made that trade that Sixto Sanchez was really good and they wanted to keep Real Muto long term. They just haven't seen eye to eye yet. The other note I had is that Panda, uh, that uh, the beloved Panda from the uh, Giants, uh, Pablo Sandoval, uh, is close to getting a deal. So uh, this is not we have not seen the last of Pablo Sandoval, assuming everything goes well with that. And uh, he's close to getting a deal. So. Uh, that'll be good to see. Uh, San Francisco's been his home forever. He had a nice touching goodbye. Sounded like Tony Bennett with his heart in San Francisco, <laughs> but uh, he will be somewhere else. Yes, he will be somewhere else, and hopefully his continue can continue on beyond uh, this year. All right, that's going to do it for this week of Big Time Baseball. Remember, you can follow myself at Tony Gwynn Jr., follow John at John Heyman, and now you can follow the show. On Twitter, follow us at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.